0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. All right, good to be with you this morning. Uh, We've had a great few weeks. Uh, We had Ryan preaching the last few weeks, done a phenomenal job. Come on, put our hands together for Ryan. He's done a great job. Putting a lot of effort in, we do not take that for granted, um, and so we're going to move on into a series. I've actually been thinking, praying, just sensing this is something that we need to talk about as a church, uh, and it's a, a series—probably not one that you would naturally go to, especially for me, because you, you, we always think about church. It's good and useful. You better make it positive. I don't want any kind of you know heavy stuff. Uh, But the reality is life can be heavy. Can anyone agree? Uh, And life doesn't actually always work out how we think it should most of the time. Uh, And so we're going to go into a series called Suffer Well. Because suffering isn't really often a choice. It's just something that happens and something that we experience. So I just want to go straight in to a definition of suffering. What is suffering? It's the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. Any kind of distress, any kind of pain. And you know what the problem is? If we don't talk about this, then people don't go to work. (laughs) People don't stay in relationships when it gets a little bit hard. People don't serve in church when they've been out late on a Saturday night and Sunday comes very quickly. And so suffering, it needs to be spoke about, and, and it's a theological, it's a theology in itself that is often sidelined, skipped, ignored, because we don't want to focus on the bad parts, and I get it, but actually when we see it for what it is, it can actually be something that is good in the in the big picture, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, I want to read some stats out just to kind of set the tone, and you probably might be surprised at some of these, but I'll read them out anyhow. Uh, approximately 62 million people died in 2006 as a whole in the world, 58% from mal uh, malnourishment. 690 people, or sorry, 690 million people globally are undernourished currently. 200 and 23 million in 2019 are unemployed. One in three women globally experience violence, and that's majority between the ages of 15 and 24. You're like, Phil, where's the good news? (laughs) Cancer is is a leading cause of death worldwide, accounting for nearly 10 million deaths just in 2020. We had COVID for two years. (laughs) That was painful. Watch this. Of the past 3,400 years on the earth, humans have been entirely at peace for 268 years. (laughs) That's 8% of recorded history we've had recorded peace. And that's not including family disputes. (laughs) Uh, At least 108 million people were killed in wars in the 20th century. Estimates for the total number killed in wars throughout all human history range from between 150 million to 1 billion people. And so why am I saying that? I'm saying that because suffering has been there and it continues to be here. Most of you probably have experienced somebody dying in your life and the pain that that causes you, the grief that that causes you alone, And here we are calling out millions upon millions upon millions of people who have had to go through that same grief. So in some ways, there's a bit of comfort in knowing we're not alone. It's actually a part of this life, and it comes with it. And so we want to explore, well, God, what's that about? One thing I want to start with before I forget is often we hear this, and as Christians sometimes we say this, God is in control. And that can be a bit confusing, especially if you're maybe not a Christian or you're trying to explore Christianity. Well, if God's in control, why did He let this happen? Like, if I had that control as a broken, sinful human being who's got some good in in me, I wouldn't have done that. So God, what's up? Why? And so I would reframe that. I don't think that's strictly true, that God is in control. I would frame it this way, before you call me a heretic. God is in charge, but He's not in control of every little thing. Why? Because as humans, He's granted us free will. Does that make sense? He didn't... The person who's committing evil, who's, you know, lighting houses on fire to kill the people, and God did not control that or cause it. That was a human being, someone who was in a fist fight or, or, or killed somebody else, God did not kill that person. That person killed that person. And so therefore, God is not in control of that. God is in charge of the entirety of the universe. He knows the final outcome. In the big picture, but in the small picture in which we live, there's some things that God is not in control of. Because when we see Jesus who represents God, He brought healing, full healing to people. When sin had impacted people with suffering in the body, physical body, Emotionally, with the guilt of sin, Jesus always brought healing. And so, when when God is in control of a situation, He always brings full healing. The problem is we're in the in-between. We live in the now, but the not yet. So, we live in the kingdom of God now, but it's not full. It's not in fullness. And so, therefore, we do see sin in operation and the effects of sin. And so we're going to get into that in just a second. So if you've got a Bible, got a notepad, please um, get that out. These are really some really important things I'm going to talk about here because, listen, we all are going to have to deal with this at some point, or maybe you're dealing with it right now, and it's important that we know how to suffer well. Everyone says, suffer well. Suffer well. Suffer well. Um, so it says here in Genesis 3, uh, verses 6, What's, this is the, the story that a lot of us have heard about Adam and Eve in the garden. And the, God is, God's initial plan was perfection, was complete peace, complete wholeness, life eternal forevermore. And if some of you are thinking, oh, it's a bit crazy. Well, at the end of the day, the reason we are heartbroken when somebody dies is because we have a, an eternal mindset. So you can't say you, can, you don't connect with this the picture of the Garden of Eden because we're all heartbroken when a loved one dies because we didn't think they should have. We feel like it's not, shouldn't be over yet. It shouldn't be the end. Life eternal is in our heart, eternity has been planted. And so here we have uh, got to set the scenario up. Hey, you can do all this stuff over here, these trees, this fruit, live over here, have your being. There's just one thing I do not want you to do, and it's this tree. Do not eat of the fruit of this tree the knowledge of good or of evil, because he didn't even explain why, he just said, just don't do it, you got to, that's how we're actually supposed to live, not understanding all the whys and the ifs and the buts, just simple, simplified life, just God, this, these are your ways, this is what you want me to do, I'm not going to get into detail, fear gets into detail, and so, so we're picking up here, the woman is being convinced by the serpent, saying, oh, you should definitely eat that. Why, why would you not? Why would God not want you to have that? And we pick up on verse six, and it says, the woman was convinced. She's like, right, okay, you're right, serpent. I should do this. So now watch this, three things she's seen. She's, or, or three things happened here. She saw the tree with her eyes, and it was beautiful, it was attractive. It, its fruit looked delicious. Oh, that's tasty. So it started to mess with her hunger, her fleshly desires were sparked up. So her eyes, her fleshly desires, I'm hungry, I want that. And lastly, she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So three things, this is what messes us all up. What we see, oh, that looks good over there, I want that. What we feel, that that would taste amazing. That experience would be amazing if I could be with that person rather than this person. That experience would be amazing if I could cut that corner and get that money, that experience. And then lastly, the wisdom. She wanted power, authority. She wanted the ability to know things and control things that she wasn't intended to control. They're the three things that mess us all up. That's where sin begins for us all. Lusting after things with her eyes. I wish I had that car, that house, and we go down a path. Having a desire for a certain kind of experience, whether that's physical hunger, sexual hunger, whatever that is, we start to dream, anticipate what would that be like? And lastly, power to control, to manipulate, to be the boss of, to, to and once that becomes when you go over that line a threshold of controlling people, that's when things get really toxic because that was never our call. And so it goes on to say, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame and nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breeze were, were blowing, the man and the wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, and so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. The, the Lord God called the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. He's h- hiding from God. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? So they now have knowledge that they weren't supposed to have power, that they weren't supposed to have, and it's working against them. It's, it's messing up their relationship with God, that the organic relationship they should have had. What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. So, sorry, the man replied, It was the woman who gave it to me. That's still happening today. Blaming the woman. <laughs> and then the Lord, <laughs> the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Everyone's playing the blame game. It's their fault. They've done it for me. So the first point I want to make is this. Suffering isn't always your fault but healing is your responsibility. Suffering isn't always your fault, but healing is your responsibility. One of the first problems Adam and Eve came up with was that they didn't want to take responsibility for their own healing, for their own shame, for their own issues. Maybe you're in here today and you don't even know why you're here. Someone invited you, said they'll buy you lunch. I don't know. Forced you, cornered you. But at the end of the day, a lot of the times when we think about sin, we think about that imperfect part part of us, we feel uncomfortable. We don't want to think about it, shut it down, run away, because it makes us feel nervous. It makes us feel uncomfortable, and I get that. But in order to deal with that, we have to face it. Can I get an amen? Amen. So let's just pray before we start. God, I just pray and thank you that you're good. I thank you, Father, you've given us everything that we need in the scriptures, God, to help us understand what's going on in this world and and the part that we get to play. God, help us to understand suffering and how to suffer well, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So why do we suffer is the big question. I remember um, we had just moved house out towards Craigavon and brand new house, never been in a brand new house before. I was about 13, I think, and all it was the craze back then to, to put this thing called sun in, in your hair. It's like a wee spray. It's basically lemon, lemon juice, and if the sun hits the lemon juice, you might even get a few free highlights, because, you know, back in the day, you had the highlights, you know, the wee ends. You just get the wee ends. Thomas knows what I'm talking about. No, no one else does. Anyhow, I just thought, I'm, to, I'm 13, 14, it's time to get it out of the box. I've had the, the side shade or, or the wee, uh, you know, the wee, what do you call that? Wee spiders, spider legs. Had that. It worked well for me to be fair. It was a game changer. From wearing no gel to having the spider, honestly, it was a game changer. Couldn't, couldn't cope with the, the, the attention it was getting me. The spider legs were awesome. But I thought, you know, I wonder if we could do another level three I'm, I'm at level two, I want to go to level three. And so sunning was that, that choice of mine that I thought would be the game changer. Spread it, and you ha- because there was no sun, in, when I'd done it, it was in the winter or something. You, supposedly, supposedly there's no YouTube, so I, I heard on the grapevine on MSN Messenger that if, if you used a hair dryer, which I didn't own one at that, well, yeah, I didn't own one at that point, but then mullets came in, and I ended up getting straighteners for £10 on eBay. Anyhow, I was using this hairdryer and I kind of just left it on because it was taking forever and it was getting a really weird color and I was stuck in the middle. And so I remember going out to try and get more sun in in, in the bathroom to spray it on and I left the the hairdryer on. We're just in a brand new house, brand new carpet, brand new everything. I knew it meant a lot to my parents, but I'd I'd came back and I'd left the hairdryer on on the floor and it had melted, we, I think we were in a week. It had melted the brand new carpet. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm dead. <laughs> All of a sudden, it was no longer about my orange hair. And it became about the carpet be- and I'm dead. And so I quickly got into problem solving mode and we out a wee cupboard and had a bit of that carpet in it. So I cut it out and then cut the carpet out and tried to fit it in just perfectly. I'm still doing that today with my garden, funny enough. <laughs> Patching it up. And, and cut, cut the, the melted part out and put a new part in and tried to sew it up somehow. And then I ran away. I literally thought, my life's over. I literally ran to the Kernan Plainfields for a few hours until it got cold. But I was suffering. I was suffering pain. I was suffering regret. I was suffering. I'm dead, uh, this is divisive, this is, I'm going to get, I don't know, I'm gonna let, I've let my parents down so much, I felt, I felt probably a bit like Adam and Eve in the garden, I ran for cover because I couldn't deal with the suffering, it, the pain, I, I didn't have the maturity to know that they might actually keep me in the house, they might actually, pro, you know, there might be some consequences but the consequences I was feeling was nearly enough to the point I didn't want to go back until it got cold. And so I think that's the same with us in life. If we don't learn to just acknowledge, right, this is bad, this hurts, but it's not over. Then what happens is we can run away for good from scenarios, from situations, from progress, when actually sometimes the parts of progress look like suffering. And it looks like hurt, and it looks like devastation, and it looks like, actually in those moments, I, I don't know about you, but I've prayed way more authentic, authentically, way more heartfelt when I've been going through I, some kind of suffering, whether it was my fault or someone else's fault, or scenario I found myself in, my prayers have been so much more heartfelt. I would even go to say that I've I developed my intimacy with God through suffering. I would go as far to say that, because normal day, comfortable living couldn't bring me there. It actually just can't bring me there, but suffering did, and so that's important. Why do we suffer? It goes on in the story, so there's this division between Adam and Eve and God, and and that relationship which which was meant to be organic, natural, Easy. Is now different, and now their life on earth is now different. It goes on to say in verse sixteen, "I will, This is talking about women. I will sharpen the pain, suffering, of your pregnancy. So now that, as you go to give birth to new life, it's there's going to be a massive amount of suffering in the process, and the pain, you, and the pain that you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Anna, did you hear that? <laughs> But it is interesting there what's going on. is as if in the Garden of Eden there was supposed to be mutual living, mutuality between man and woman. And because of sin, whatever's happened, it's caused hierarchy. It's caused domination in some ways. It's caused division of just, hey, let's just all bring our best to the table. Sin has caused imbalance, an element of suffering, even in relationships. The good news is that God came to redeem that. But suffering is still a part of the process. And then it goes on to say in verse 18, by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until, until you return to the ground. That's talking about men. As you go out to work, there's going to be times where you don't want to work. But you have to work in order to make a living, in order to have food on the table. It's important that we work. And so, number one, sin introduced suffering. Doing things, the lust of the eyes, what we see, it's beautiful. The feelings of the flesh and the desire for power introduced sin into the world. It says here in Romans, this is in the New Testament, so we've we'll fast forwarded to the New Testament, Romans 8 and 20. It says, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So sin brought on death and it brought on decay. Has anyone realized that your bodies are not designed to live forever? Yet. Have you realized that yet? But there's something in your soul on the inside that does. It doesn't feel right to end. It doesn't feel right for it to be over with our relationships. There's something deeper going on at play. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. So that example's been used again, right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit with us as a foretaste of future glory. So the, the Holy Spirit gives us in part. It's a taste. The kingdom of God is here in part. We see heaven in part on earth, but not in full. The gifts of the Spirit, the prophetic gifts, all those different gifts of the Spirit are there to give us encouragement to keep us going. It's nearly like a cart in some ways to keep moving forward. God's in this. Yes, it's imperfect. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it's broken. God's still in it. He's actually using the pain. He's using the suffering for His glory. He's using the hard times to make you more Christ-like. That's actually the way that God has, has turned this thing around. The things that you hate the most are also the, the times and the places that you develop the most and become more like Christ-like. But if we throw that out, we stand still. We actually probably move backwards. We can't throw that theology of suffering out. Um, I know there's a few people in here who have been pregnant, are pregnant, have just had a kid, Kate was up on keys. She's just, is it the third? Third? Kate! Kate, come on up. My parents again for Kate. <laughs> this has not been rehearsed. Kate, would you say you suffered during your pregnancy? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Kate, would you say you suffered, or sorry, in the leading up to your pregnancy, you, you were talking about the pregnancy the end. What about the journey up to the pregnancy? It was okay. <laughs> How did Mark do? Oh, he, he suffered well. <laughs> <laughs> and so as, as Kate and Mark realized uh, during their pregnancy is that Kate's body changed. She had to stretch, but also stretch emotionally. So physically, emotionally, would you say before you had kids and, and, Now, post-having kids, would you say you're a different person as far as your ability to endure? Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) I can do anything now. now. (laughs) And so, in some ways, the process of that suffering that we read about in Genesis, but also it gives an example of how all creation is groaning, is stretching, is suffering, but it's coming to the birth of something fresh and something new. A new heaven nearly and a new earth, as the Bible says. But we're getting better and we're getting stronger. Yes, it can be messy. Yes, it can stretch us in all kinds of different ways. But God is bringing us to new levels of endurance, new levels of character, new level, doing things that we probably, if you were doing a marathon and it was the same level of pain as your pregnancy, would you make it? Um, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> eventually. But it would probably be a lot harder because you don't have a kid at the end as the reward. I'm to put our hands together for kid. <laughs> See, all creation is, number two, all creation is subject to suffering. No one gets away with it, whether you believe in Christ, receive Christ, atheist, doesn't really matter. Everyone is unfortunately subject to To suffering because there's sin. We're not perfect now. Death exists. There's decay in our bones, in the earth. There's cycles. But the beauty about that is it gives us then an eternal perspective. That's what the suffering of humanity, the death and decay, actually points us to eternity. Three, suffering has many forms and purposes suffering can become, or we can suffer because of foolish choices. Anyone ever been there? Made, made bad choices. And so because of that, we suffer. I was with a friend when I was 14. A lot happened when I was 13 and 14. But we used to go up to Port Rush, um, stay in his caravan for a few days. And, you know, you got to be careful who you hang about with in church. Met him at church, and, I, and he brought me in to the two P-machines in barry's. You've shown me how to bump them. Don't do that. Just throw me into them by mistake, Phil. But, but he, he was real jammy and he used to do the wee slot machines. And I'm not encouraging gambling, by the way. I'm just being honest. And I don't know if he had some tricks, but that day he won and done well. So I just thought, flip, I, I going to do the same. And I, I took my pocket money, about £3. And that was really for a fish and chip at the dolphin. But I spent it on the machine. And I, I ended up with nothing. There was no fish and there's no chip. And my mate had a good day. And because I followed his lead, I had to then suffer the consequence. Because who I was hanging about with was leading me down a path that brought on suffering. And so that's, I was actually speaking to some kids this week in, in, in one of their citizenship or LLW classes just about how there's a cheesy saying, but it's so true, show me your friends and I'll show you your future because we were talking about who influences our lives. Our, our lives. And it's so, so important that sometimes we can suffer as a consequence of who we're with, who we hang about with, who's speaking into our life, who's giving us our value system for what's right and what's wrong. Sometimes because of who we're with, we can suffer. And I did that day. In Proverbs 13, it says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for the companion of fools suffers harm. We can also suffer, can come due to creation. As we just just read, natural disasters and events like that, they just, there's groans, there's earthquakes, there's tsunamis, there's all kinds of different things that happen on the earth. And there's great amounts of suffering. There's famines. There's diseases. And so all creation suffers because of the fall. A little bit more about suffering. Suffering has many different faces. There's many different forms. We'll talk about that in just a second. Suffering is not random. Suffering touched Jesus. Suffering is mysterious because we know in part. Suffering is a battlefield. Suffering suffering matures and equips. Suffering finds refuge in community. That's why church is an amazing place to suffer, because you've got people that want to pray for you. In just a minute, in the worship, we'll have people at the back who want to pray for you. On Wednesday night, we have prayer for those that are experiencing suffering right now, and it brings healing. Can you get an amen? Suffering can bring glory to God. Suffering prepares us for greater glory. As Kate spoke about, even in the natural, we become greater. Of greater, a person of greater character, of greater, a wealth of strength, that we never thought we would have had, and never probably would have chosen, if it was down to experience. The reason Eve was attracted to the fruit was all the opposite things of suffering. Oh, I can get an, I can, I can satisfy my eyes my lusts, I can satisfy my hunger right now in the moment, I can get power right now, whereas God's usually the flipped opposite. He's a slow, a long suffering, a steady suffering, but in the end it gives birth to the most beautiful things. And so here's a few types of suffering. We, have, we talked about creation suffering, uh, we have grief suffering, people who experience death, the death of someone will have grief, and it's a type of suffering. When relationships fall apart, we we grieve, and we should grieve, but a suffering, consequential suffering, that's just when we suffer because of a a mistake we made, or a sin that we committed, there's a consequence, and that's a part of suffering, the suffering that comes with that. There's victim suffering, people who suffer because of other people's wrongdoing, wrong choices. We become victims, but it's suffering all the same. Empathetic suffering, some of you get this more than others, where when someone else is suffering, you feel really heavy for that person. Often counselors, good counselors, feel that they really care when someone's hurting. They become empathetic and hurt with the person. The Bible actually says we should mourn with those who mourn. Um, Collective suffering, that's when we suffer for groups. So maybe if someone is hurting in the church, we suffer as a group or something happens. Or, or, or Ukraine as a country are suffering as a group. Collective suffering. And so anyone associated or has a heart for Ukraine or connected to Ukraine, maybe has family, there, um, they, they suffer with them. We have a discipline or preventative type suffering which a, a, a parent gives a child. So it's suffering all the same. It hurts, but it's good. It's to help bring correction. It's to help bring health, but it's suffering. Holy suffering like Jesus suffered. He suffered for doing what was right. He suffered to bring freedom. He suffered to bring truth, but it's suffering all the same. Opposition suffering. When we come up against opposition, people don't agree with what we're doing. There's suffering that comes with that. Politicians, they, they come up against that all the time, where there's resistance and they have to, if, where, where's my identity in, in those places? Missional suffering, so if you're trying to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and you come across people who oppose that, and because of the mission that you're on, they, they, you suffer. But there's also a suffering with that in regards to being faithful, and your flesh is crying out and and. and And there's part of you that that needs to die, the selfish part of you, the desires of the flesh, all those things, there's a missional suffering with that. So I want to read out this, Hebrews 4 and 15, it says, Jesus understands every weakness. Everyone say, every weakness. Jesus understands every weakness of ours. Because he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin, he suffered well. So whenever we are in need, we should come bravely before the throne of our merciful God. <clears throat> there will we, be, we will be treated with undeserved grace, and we will find help. See, Jesus understands your suffering because He went through the same thing. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it actually says that He sweat drops of blood. And that's actually associated to, I forget the term, uh, from a medical point of view, but that's associated to a condition that happens when you're under extreme amounts of suffering. But he still said yes. And he still stayed on mission and he still stayed on the assignment. And so whatever that looks like for you, maybe a parent, maybe in the midst of a relationship, suffering, trying to figure some things out. Maybe it's, it's, it's family. Maybe it's a lost loved one. The answer is, suffer well Keep showing up. Bring it to the throne. Bring it to God and allow His grace to empower you. Philippians 1 and 29 says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believers in Him, but also to suffer for Him. It's a thing. To suffer is a thing. It's not jump off the boat. It's not exit the process. It's to su- To go full steam ahead. To go into it. You're trying to recover and bring healing to a relationship or or, or even your own identity or or, or trauma or wound. Go into it with people around you who can help you. But go into it. Go into it. Jesus went in. He knew it was coming. He told them the cross is coming. He went into it. He went in on that Palm Sunday into Jerusalem knowing what would happen because he's seen the big picture Psalm 34:19 says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And so yes, you're suffering. Yes, it's hard, but it's not over. And it's not the end. It's probably the middle. The middle is the point where you have a decision. Am I going to go back to the shore? Or am I going to go to the other side? In the middle is where we have to choose to suffer well so that when we get there, we become stronger, we become better. But if we opt out, the healing doesn't come. If we opt out, we don't become victorious. If we opt out, freedom for those other people don't come either. The freedom for the next generation doesn't come because you pass on a trauma. You pass on the wound, but God wants to heal you in Jesus' name. See, when suffering increases, so does God's grace. When suffering increases, so does God's grace. The problem is, you can't access God's grace unless you're in relationship with God. Because the grace of God is what keeps us in relationship. Obedience moves us forward. And so, uh, so the problem is, you're maybe feeling discouraged, but the question is, are you bringing it to God? Are you praying? Are you bringing your suffering in? I, I went through some situations, some. One comes to mind where I experienced probably the most suffering I've ever experienced in my life, and honestly, probably a lot of the worst suffering is relational, physical, but also relational is a big one. And I'm so glad that I was taught this message, this theology, that when I suffered, I didn't just get bitter, I didn't just blame other people, I didn't just get mad. I says, God, I need your help. God, I need your strength. God, I thank you that you're not done with me yet, and you're gonna use this situation to to further your kingdom, to bring more glory to your name and to help me to grow stronger. God, I'm gonna use this situation to help some people in the future. If I react well right now and I process well and I learn well, I can really, I might have a this could be a life message. Because often the biggest ministry you'll have in your life is often your biggest misery. It's the area of, of, of your most trauma. Actually, I remember someone saying that the people who do best when someone dies from cancer or whatever in in their life, the people who do best are are the ones who take that situation and turn it around for good, meaning they might start a charity, but they'll take it and use it for good. The ones who just stay still and just focus on what happened and just keep processing the negativity and, and, and I can't believe it happened, those are the people who get stuck, and and who never really move forward, and actually keep reliving the trauma to the point where they suffer more than maybe they needed to suffer. Because God wants to use every part of your life for his purpose. But we must first come to the throne of grace and ask God, hey God, how can you use this? Because I know you're not done. I I know that there's something about to be birthed, Kate, I know there's something in the mix here. God, I know this is awful and this is a product of sin and and the decaying of my body and people's bodies, but I know you're not finished with me yet and I know you can use this terrible evil, this terrible wrong, this terrible uh, uh, response of sin in the world that we see and God, you're going to birth something fresh to help humanity, to bring glory to your name as I I, I tell people about how I came to your throne and how you give me this idea In Jesus' name. When suffering increases, so does God's grace. God's resources get ramped up in your life. You didn't need as much in the last season, but after suffering, God dispatches more power, more strength. Suffering, so in Peter 5, it says, and the God of all grace, what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. That basically means you didn't earn it, but you get it. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after, what's this, this is good news, after you've suffered just a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So suffering can make you stronger, more stable, and trustworthy. I want a friend like that. I want to be in relationships with people who are more stable, who are growing in trustworthiness, who who are growing in strength. I want to be around people who are growing in those things because we can do something together. I can trust you more over time. But I don't think you can get any of that until you come before the throne of grace and choose, I'm going to suffer well, God. This is not the way I would do it. But this is the the world I live in. And honestly, I don't think it's the way God wants to do it. That's why there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But he understands that this is a season. And on this earth is a season. And so we're going to choose to suffer well. Kate, okay, if you want to come ahead on up and we'll begin to finish. It was interesting how Eve wanted wisdom. She wanted the apple and the fruit because she wanted power and she wanted wisdom and she wanted the ability To maybe make, in her eyes, better decisions her way. So she wanted quick access. But God brings wisdom through often long adversity rather than quick access. And so, if we don't talk about this kind of theology and this kind of issue in life, what happens is we go around trying to find quick access when we're in suffering. And when it's going to take time, and it's going to take endurance. And if we give up before that time, we give up on that baby that's about to be born. That new vision, that dream, that next level. We give up on purpose. We give up on strength. We give up on stableness. We give up on all those good things that God wants to do and use through our suffering. And so we're going to come boldly to God's throne. His throne. Of- hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Orient Church podcast.